What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. Today, we got a really fun show planned out for you. So if it's your first time here, thanks so much. If you're returning, thank you even more. Let me break down what's going to happen for those first-time listeners. Buds, Bros, and Superheroes is also the show. I mean, it's the three parts in which we'll talk about today. Buds being for those who travel the green with my guest and I. Bros, I mean, this dude's my motherfucking brother today. So we got a lot to talk about there. And Superheroes, we decided to rewatch Captain America Civil War. Without further ado, let me introduce, like I said, he is my brother. Please welcome to the show first time, Brother Johnny. Hey, how are you, Nick? Uh, thank you so much for having me, obviously. Uh, just a conversation that'll be on the record, if you will. We definitely uh, shot the ship plenty of times off the record, but super excited. And like you said, very, very pleased with our selection of Civil War for the content matter. After rewatching it, just a sharp film. Clocked in it over to just about two and a half hours, and it was a good two and a half hours. I never, there's been a few times on this show where I've been watching something i've been like all right we can stop this now but this is not one of them this is uh, genuinely still holds up super good oh yeah and again the two and a half hours kind of you know no pun intended like flies by it really is just one of those things that absolutely from start to finish right the way that in my opinion they just have it all set up with the opening and how they drag you along through like you're on the journey right it's like a you're not you're zero to a hundred like that because you're right into it you're trying to pick up well what's happening here and Man, it, that really sets the tone nicely, I think, for what follows it in the Marvel Universe. Couldn't have said it any better myself. But that's in Superheroes. Let's start off at the beginning with some buds. So we have something weird to talk about. Not weird, I shouldn't really say that, but it's different, for the matter of fact. Of We've really never covered news here, but today I've got a little bit of news Sir, do you remember back in the day, if you will, a show called Family Matters? Oh, of course. The Winslows. They basically were my second family at some point. Yeah, really, truly. They, that was a great show. The Winslows are the family that matters, but they always had the fucking neighbor kid who, in my opinion, really took over the show and is more remembered. What do you think? How do you feel about that? Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he took over the show. Did he do that? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You are perfect. (laughs) The he in question is Steve Urkel. The actor is Jaleel White, and he is the latest to jump on the 420 train right to Moneyville, if you will. Quote, Jaleel White is the latest celebrity to get in on the cannabis industry. White, who famously played Steve Urkel on the 96th Con Family Matters, has partnered with 710 Labs for a new cannabis venture. It's purple. Specifically, the business will offer its own variations of purple Urkel, a strain of cannabis popular in California. It's Purple is set to launch on, when else? 420. So as of today, you guys can get some It's Purple in just three days, 72 hours. Just hold on. Absolutely nutty, man. That's the world that we're living in, though. It's going to take advantage of all our 90s nostalgia as we really enter into the uh, top earning income bracket, if you will. Like our generation is now going to start to, you know, shift into all of those C-level, right, jobs and stuff like that. And you're going to see, I think Seth Rogen's done a nice job as one who's just started to normalize that, right? Like in the business world, you you don't have to be the guy who, you know, smokes a fatty and then is sunk into his couch for eight hours that day. Go out, be productive and, and, you know, really in most cases, right, depending on the strands, depending on the research, that's what I love most about it. You're not just going to your corner store or corner guy, right, and saying, hey, just give me what you got. You have no idea what's in it, what's, you know, how it was grown, what, you know, feeds into it, all that stuff, man. I just, knowledge is power, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And as you bring up Mr. Rogan, he is who got 
my quote-unquote buddy, Mr. Smith, onto that very thinking of like, dude, you could smoke a shit ton of weed and be really productive. <laughs> you know, I can handle your high. I can handle my high. I can handle his high. And let's all get some shit done. So he is another 90s baby, if you will, uh, who's also in on the cannabis industry, teaming up with Caviar Gold. And they have, oh, man, I used to know all three. Berserker. I said it in a previous episode, but he's got three <laughs> strains of weed and three pre-rolls that are a sativa, a indica, and a hybrid. And all, again, out in California, I hope, you know, as the entire movement kind of has gone from west to east coast, mm -hmm. I hope that these brands kind of catch up and we'll eventually get to try them. I did have a fun little afterthought, though. Pick your favorite 90s show to now get its own weed brand. Whew. If Family Matters got there, what do you think is the next best one? Shit. Keenan and Cal, maybe? Oh, my God. That like if be... I could have an orange soda fucking J, like, oh, man, I love orange soda. I'll keep throwing out the taglines, buddy. <laughs> At Kel Mitchell, let's get that going. It's funny. I just talked about him in the last episode. Did you know I met him once? I don't think so. No, that's I awesome. Went, I went to a local con around here, and he was just hanging out and doing his thing and being at a con. And I awesome. was like, hello, can I give you money, and you'll give take a photo with me? And he said yes. <laughs> and then we did that for a little bit, and then we just he, – he was like, so what's up? I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, no. Motherfucker gets orange soda wherever he goes. Like, oh, he had six or seven bottles set up on his thing. And I was like, do you, do, did you bring these? And he goes, no, people bring them to me still. I'm like, wow, so wherever you go, there's just an orange soda waiting? He goes, pretty much. It's got to be comforting, though, too, like, to the point of consistency and, and you know, just having – I don't know. <laughs> I, I but what if he hates it? Yeah, no, that that's definitely. Because if I was an actor and they're like, oh, oh. your shtick is you love cream soda. It's like, no, I don't. Or do you think that somebody was smart enough to be like, do you want to pick your favorite soda since you're going to be drinking this shit all the time? I would hope so, right? Like outside of maybe like a one that you'd have to get sponsored, right? I'm sure cola was not going to be something that he could use. But, yeah, I mean I... – root beer right like i don't know if you could chug a gallon of root beer like he does to the orange soda in some of those episodes uh really quick too sorry i just keep bopping if you have the hulu there's a great documentary on nickelodeon it's called like the orange the orange tape ears or something like that where it really focuses on their upbringing and then right pre-spongebob is oh, where okay. they kind of give up and they're like yeah by that point everything we were fighting to become nickelodeon became and now they're another cog in the wheel of just giant the sameness but right. anyway it's really really good have to no the orange tapes because i mean harriet the spy dude that was, like you literally knew that was on an orange vhs cassette tape <laughs> yep the rugrats movie i definitely yep. specifically remember and yeah that was a strategic choice that color of orange and no matter what they did with the logo it yep. always had to be that orange with white letters, but then they can, like, splat it or they yep. can make it into a pyramid, any other shape they want. But those two elements of it being that color, that hue of orange on white lettering for sure. will always be the same for Nick. Yeah, absolutely. And then even throwing in the uh, the slime over the years. Like, that's uh, – dude, they do the NFL broadcast on Nickelodeon every once in a while, and they'll do the slime zone. Like, if when players get into the end zone, it's crazy. Kind of moving back to growing up, if like as we were talking about with this 90s, growing up and traveling the green, I would say that we were those stereotypical cousins who always disappeared before a meal. And when we came back, it'd be like, do you think we smell? And would be like, nah, bro, there's no way we smell. Meanwhile, we probably definitely smelled coming into that, that uh, Thanksgiving party every now and then, huh? Oh, absolutely. No questions asked. <laughs> I would, uh, 
I would imagine between that and the uh, the nice tint of red our eyes would get, <laughs> we weren't fooling very many people. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. But fuck, you know, you think at that age that you're just so slick. Nobody That's knows it. what we're doing. No way. I mean, I still think I'm that slick. <laughs> right? Getting caught as an adult is pretty funny, too. <laughs> yeah, no way. It's the the ultimate uh, hand-in-the-cookie-jar experience. If you, uh, like, if you, without actually doing like, that's people get that expression based on that feeling that you receive when somebody actually – like, it's the, the cat that ate the canary. You're smi- Like, you can't hold it back. You're like, yep, you got me. <laughs> really quick, too, man. Having nephews is great. I caught one of my nephews <laughs> literally hand in the cookie jar just very recently, and watching his face react to it was the best. <laughs> Horrified. Shocked. Shamed, <laughs> angry that I snuck up on him. Like, you know, it was so many emotions all in one. And he just, he was not happy about the whole thing. But yeah, I yeah, forgot man. that feeling of being a kid and thinking you're in trouble when really, oh. like, you're not really in trouble, dude. Just don't really, like, wait to have the fucking cookie. You should have asked. It's basically or what Or just ask, because, yeah, Uncle Nick's still going to get you a cookie. <laughs> basically, Uncle Nick is still, yes, exactly. Hey, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> kind of as a precursor to what we'll talk about later, I like asking this question when we have groups of teams that we're talking about. So I talked about it with Daniel when we talked about the Justice League, and now I'm going to ask you a similar question, but on the Marvel side of, you were able to smoke a joint with one person in the Avengers, and then for the rest of that day, take on the Avenger power. Who would you want to smoke up and wake and bake with on the Avengers? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I had batted this back and forth a couple different times, but you know, ultimately for me, uh, I it's hard to get away from the notion of getting you know Thor high, and then <laughs> obviously getting to travel throughout the different planets with him, man. I mean, just uh, the the things that he would be able to show me in just one day having powers would far exceed any of the other things I could do with some of these other superheroes. So off the top of my head, right, Hawkeye would be great to bring to a driving range, right, and just start making a ton of money off of, you know, passerbyers, just saying, oh, pick out something out there, I bet you I hit it. And having that, yeah, no doubt. Like, I think I could have fun for a day, but no, I think Thor and what he'd be able to just show me from a universe standpoint, as as weird and corny as that sounds, definitely uh, would have to be my pick. Now, do you think he'd have a tolerance? Because if you remember in Age of Ultron, he has to drink something special, which I also believe he gives to Steve, because Steve, that we learn in the first Avenger, he can't get drunk Mm. because his body burns it off too quickly. So you see Steve and Thor drinking something. It was made in the eye of a something mighty bubble. (laughs) And Stan Lee gets the best cameo, in my opinion. He goes, son, we stormed Omaha Beach. I'm like, you know, fuck you. Give me a little bit of it. And at the very end, you know, a cut scenes to him getting carried out like Excelsior. <laughs> but it makes me think, you know, for Cap and, you know, Thor, as we're talking about, do you think, like, he'd, be, he'd look at that and be like, son, I am Odin's son. I have battled. There is no way. And then he'd just be like, okay. There is a little way. <laughs> or shit, dude. Even more impressive. Like, as you're saying that. My head goes, well, damn, all right, like, pull out the shit from your back pocket then, Thor, like, let, let's get really fucking Swayze, like, if, if my shit ain't gonna rock you, then, not that everything has to, but I definitely wanna try what's gonna rock you, like, uh, let me be the Stan Lee in that instance where I'm sitting some goofy shit after, like, I don't care if I wake up and I'm, it's a, a hallucination, oh, that was some good shit, did I really just go see all this shit with Thor, like, 
No doubt. Would have mattered to me. <laughs> he just pulls out something. And he's like, this weed was grown by sentient beings of the forest creatures and rolled in dragon wings. It shall get you too high. And you're like, fuck you. Too high. Yes, that's, that's, a good, that's what I'm trying to go for. Yes, sir. Yeah. Here. I didn't <laughs> storm Omaha, but I smoked yeah. a lot of weed, sir. Shit, you hit it. And it's even like uh, you hit it and immediately like the cut scene from Happy Gilmore where you see the three people up in the clouds. It's just going to be Snoop, Seth Rogen, and fucking, I don't know, pick another one, but Wiz Khalifa. And they're just all looking down, giving you the thumbs up, like, hey, have fun with Thor. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, finally we got another one into the club. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I feel like that. On the reverse side of that, I feel my choice would be Peter Parker nice. because he is a kid. I wonder, you know, I don't I don't personally think from what we got, let's go just Tom Holland mm -hmm. from his character and how he portrays him. Do you think that that guy in his universe has ever smoked the devil's lettuce? Ah, uh, Probably not. But right. Like how many people would look at Elon Musk and say that dude smokes weed? Like he's like a nutty, like brainy, like, and that's where they kind of lead Peter to before he's bit by the radioactive. So maybe, right. Like some of the smartest people I know, uh, use it to unwind. So I wouldn't say it's outside, but just based on his age, probably not because of how innocent they portray him to be. Like you would get a first time stoner guy with you if you got Spider Man up. But similar, if big big thing that he you know kind of says to Iron Man is that not much is different except everything is on an eleven. Like everything's dialed up for him. So like, would the high be dialed up for him? Like that would be dope. Like <laughs> another deep cut, great fucking thought to think about. And then, do I want to be kind of baked with a super baked Spider-Man? And he's like, all right, I'm gonna teach you to fucking web sling now from the top of the Empire State <laughs> Building. And I'm like, maybe we should start a little bit lower, sir. <laughs> How about we just jump on stuff and maybe stick to some buildings? And he's like, nope, top, let's go. Yeah. And I'm just like, shit, this is a bad idea, Mr. Stark. You you, you end up turning into uh, uh, Mary Jane just in his arms, <laughs> like swinging through. <laughs> just take me where we need to go. <laughs> Have you ever noticed, not to blow up Sam Raimi's spot, but in the very first Spider-Man, the first time Spider-Man saves Mary Jane, it's in the float. They're having the parade, and Osborne comes down, so, like, he's carrying her. And when you look at that shot of her swinging with him, A, it's definitely a mannequin, <laughs> Spider-Man, and B, her hair is blowing in the opposite way in which they're swinging. Oh, jeez. It's pretty fucking funny. Now that somebody's brought it to my attention, can't, not can't see, see it. it. It's right. one of those things, you know? Finally, to kind of end this out, before I, before I did, I wanted to remember to shout out Harvest. Again, it's not an ad. It's not a sponsor, though I would love it. Dude, listen to this shit. On Fridays, you can get a half ounce for a buck eighty. Wow. You could choose any four eighths you want, or you could just pick up four eighths for oh. a one eighty. So it's basically uh, a buy three, get one free deal at that point. Yep. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> I picked up wedding gelato and it is fantastic. <laughs> I wish that I could tell you the smell through this microphone. The taste is incredible. You know, I'm not one of those guys who usually gets done smoking and smacks their lips a lot, but with this, every time, it wow. is just so good. And then a local favorite around here is the Honey Badger Haze, of course, and then I think I also got some more Wet Dreams, which sounds filthy. No, it's a Citron, Citron City Finished Flower, so I'm also going to try that. I've actually never tried that one. Getting prepped for 420. 
Yeah, yeah, they're having great sales and everything too, and that's one of that's just every Friday. Between that and mini Monday, so I think I was telling you one time on Monday you can get an eighth of minis, which is already ten dollars lower than finished flower of the big buds, another ten dollars off, so it's a forty dollar eighth. Can't beat it, man. And again, that's where well as the industry, if you will, takes off, you're gonna start to see it's the quality of what you're you know, intaking is gonna go up and then on top of that you're there will be that balance, right? Like some people are going to still go out and spend X amount of dollars because that's what they've always spent on, you know, stuff. But what the quality I think that they're going to start getting in return as it starts to get regulated should, with any good luck, right, really start to allow some of these types of deals to go on, right? Like think about how many people just pick up eighths at a time because that's all they either A, can afford or B, even, you know, wanted to have on them at a certain period of time. God forbid something happens. Now – I mean, shit, you could stock up with a O, like two O. Like I was watching a video. It was the funniest thing the other day. In in uh, Washington, D.C., like you could basically stumble out of a head shop essentially with two O's, drop them on an officer's foot, and the officer is basically obligated to pick them up, <laughs> like help you say, okay, as long as you're not doing it, you can't smoke it on the street or anything like that, but you could basically carry around two sacks of, uh, you know, bud like a baby and nobody could say shit to you <laughs> furthermore i think it was new york now the smell of marijuana is not enough to stop and search wow okay that's huge yeah that's super huge because that's been something that's been fucking a lot of people for a lot of time because who's to say no you didn't smell that right yeah no way. weird world lots of smells <laughs> you know what i mean like fucking you, can't a, say you didn't smell something or like no they didn't it's so probable cause was almost always there. Now without that there, like, might have to do some fucking work now. I don't know, some investigative, detective, copping work other than, I think I smell something. And even that, like, in a car, yeah, sure, moving vehicle, I think it should be treated the same way, right? Until they can figure out how it hits everybody differently. Like, dude, have I been behind the wheel of a car? Absolutely, right? Like, but... I wouldn't get behind the wheel of a car with somebody who doesn't do it regularly either just because that's their first time. Like, there's going to be a lot of that that I think follows in a wake of all the, re you know, regulation of this stuff. I did see something that there is a BAC for that or weed there you go. coming. Yep. But I've also, in the same article that I read about it, it was like, oh, these things are really hard to work, and they're not very good, but this is the best one. Right. The one that's coming out that's going to get rolled around to a bunch of people, it's the best one, but they all kind of fucking suck a little bit. And I was just reading the article like, this is what? <laughs> well, again, if you think about like just breathalyzers and how they get thrown out if they're not calibrated properly after, like they're going to have a headache with a lot of that. But, again, who's – it's going to be very interesting to see because not every strand hits me the same way either. There's some shit that hits me and I'm goofy as hell after two or three tokes. There's some shit I got to burn down a fucking stack. I'm feeling some stuff like, again, I'll always get there, but it's just a matter of how much it takes to, you know, do that. And, you know, you know, your body, you know, your safety limit, you know, everything. And like everybody out there listening, just don't be fucking stupid. You know, they say it at the end of alcohols, commercials, drink responsibly, smoke responsibly. Handle your fucking high and everything should be fine. How's that to end out a fucking bud section? Man? I love Handle it. your motherfucking high and everything will be fine. I'm going to slap that shit on a shirt. <laughs> there you go. With that, we are going to close out this bud section and go right into 
the bros section. Who better to talk about this with than my bro? So we should actually kind of maybe forementioned that our parents are not actually the same people. Brothers by nature is not what we are. We're, we're brothers because our and fathers. Yeah, what was it? What do we have tattooed on our family? Family by, uh, well, shit. Family by birth, friends by choice. God damn right. So our fathers are actually brothers, making us first cousins. But the way that we grew up, we really just call each other brother now. Yeah, I mean, just the... Uh the ability to live with you for that you know short period of time right like i look at that as almost a mini college experience too like been to college right going away to college both of us have been away to several different experiences right like at least for schooling purposes um but that was the first time we were you know grown-ups if you will right like young dumb and full of cum i think as you mentioned on a previous episode but, <laughs> um ultimately right like we were able to kind of have that as a true like growing up experience like with each other right like uh, that was uh, the closest thing i ever had to a daily reminder of a brother right like i grew up with three sisters yeah i only had the one yeah, oh, yeah. it is definitely different living with a brother than a sister and it was one of the still greatest times that i've ever had looking back but even before that i just remember every single holiday of just like yeah. john's gonna be there right and of course john's gonna be there and just <laughs> looking forward more to that than the holiday itself you know yeah christmas is great and it was like, yes, we both want to show each other what we have received that day, maybe. But it was more about then playing with it afterwards. Even if it was nothing, we were still doing something with each other. For sure, yeah. And almost the best part, like when you're, you know, Christmas Day and you have three sisters, you're not exactly looking to share in any of those toys, right? Like even if it was for a, a, the one visit that we had with each other, we were, oh, what do you want to play? Like, we would figure it out based on what the collective group had. It was never like, oh, well, I'm going to play Power Rangers over here, and you're going to play Pokemon over there because you got Ash Ketchum's – no, like, okay, we're going to fucking go back and forth. And that was – I mean, again, dude, we've just been on the same wavelength. Like, we, we joked, right, since being carried in the womb together for, you know, our our moms being four days apart and, and – birth for us so it's it's really been a special bond for the last 30 years if i'm not mistaken you were there the first day i was actually into this world so to say that you have known me every day of my life is not an understatement which is a crazy thing to say That's crazy but nobody else i'd rather you know have that uh, fame to claim for so fucking a I did like your little segue and kind of keeping with the show and what we talk about nerdy shit growing up as bros. Uh, the two you dropped were the perfect ones, to be honest. So fucking kudos. Power Rangers and Pokemon, the two big P's of our quote unquote nerdy life growing up. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, my mom will still tell the stories since I was, you know, an ankle biter, if you will. Right. Go, go Power Rangers. Mommy, go, go Power Rangers. Like that was that was my shit. I you know, the Red Ranger, all that. I was I was about it, and then Pokemon, yeah. The amount of money that was wasted on those things, bro, like crazy, crazy. Oh, on Pokemon cards. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, can, Dad, can I please, please, can I have this? Please, I promise, I'll be so good. I promise, just five dollars. I need to go get this Pokemon pack because it might have a Charizard in it. All right, son, no worries. Hand over the five dollars. Go to the store. Come right back. Don't open it till you get back. I want to open it. Wait. Imagine giving your kid that $5 that you just busted your ass for, right? Not that $5 is anything crazy, but still. And I could, dude, rip the card open, nothing. 
throw the cards on the fucking floor in disappointment. Like, your dad just gave you $5, and that's how it was. But it was an insane time period because every $5 you had was going to a Pokemon card to try and get that Charizard or try and get whatever your favorite one was. Did you ever accomplish that? So I have a dark Charizard still in, like, glass casing right now, and I think that's the only Pokemon card that I still even have to date, if I'm not mistaken, because moving couple different times over the years, garage sales, this, that, and the third. Like, I'm pretty sure at one point somebody just offered me X, right, for my binder. Didn't really think twice about it, but I had that Charizard on the side, and I was like, ah, but if you want that one, give me an extra 25 bucks or something like that. And for whatever reason, again, at the time, the guy was probably just content with getting whatever he got out of the binder. I'm sure, you know, somebody with a more keen eye than I, he made more than what he paid for uh, on the cards, if I would have to to guess but no i mean that thing's still right up uh next to my funko pops in my my office my home office right it's just sitting there as a reminder like hey if you buy enough five dollar packs right you're gonna eventually get there so it is accomplishable right like think that that needle was so far buried in a haystack because again in florida buying packs right like when we're on family vacations any like dad had to travel somewhere for work right like dude your dad used to travel all over the place for work at, at a certain period of time like bringing the packs back from anywhere and everywhere because that would give you just that little slight edge in your mind right like of trying they to get send it. different cards different places guys you have to pick them up at different places to get them all <laughs> that's it like if i want to truly catch them all i gotta go i gotta travel far and wide <laughs> like Come on, homies. They say it in the song, guys. It must be true. (laughs) I wouldn't watch it every day after school if it wasn't true. What are you guys feeding me? Yeah, exactly. I don't think I ever got to one of the big, you know, so if anybody's unfamiliar with the pop culture phenomena of Pokemon, in my opinion, point of the card game or like the kind of the fun part was to get the three starters and then evolve all three. The big nine, the first nine in the 151 yep. were for me, for whatever reason, like that was the goal was to get Charmander, Squirtle, Bulbasaur, so on, so on, so on. And I, I don't think I ever got anywhere near that. I think the closest to getting a one, two, three evolution was a Nidoran to Nidorino to Nido King. If I'm not mistaken on naming, I think that I had those three. I had another twofer though. I think it was a Ponyta to a Rapidash. Okay. And I had that hollow and like that one, I was like, I got one. I yep. got something like this. I think that was like the best one I had though. And eventually I don't think the collection, I, I didn't get the game. Did you actually play the game? No. So, I mean, that was the, you know, looking back on some of, uh, you know, just the craziness of it all, right? You'd buy starter packs, right? Like, what was a starter pack? For me, it was a chance to get 50 cards all in one pack. It wasn't starting off my deck. And, okay, what's in the 50 cards? Oh, there's 15 energy cards for your water Pokemon. Like, okay. I, I had no idea them. what the fuck those do. Dude, dude, I had pages of energy cards sitting in the back of the bun. So I'd roll up my binder. Again, I know this is a podcast, so you can't, you know, see, but it was – eight inches stacked like this is not an exaggeration because again the lamination on the cards and this that the third but like this thing was you wouldn't want to be lugging it back and forth to school that's for damn sure right like it was to be set up and pit turned through like in my eyes but the less thickness of the book was all energy cards or this that or you know um 
whatever kind of evolution stones that the EVs went through, right? I had all of those types. But then when you started to look, out of the 150, I probably had 70, right? Like, of the actual Pokemon, <laughs> like, but crazy. It got a harder sell for that $5 in terms of, dude, I keep giving you money. You open them, and the energy cards, you don't do anything. Like, what the fuck are those for? And then you literally look at your dad and go, I don't know. And he's like, what the fuck? Of, like, what the hell is going on right now? And then he's like, all right, well, what Pokemans did you get? And you go, <laughs> Pokemans, that's perfect. <laughs> and you go, well, I already had one of these. This one's okay, but I might trade it. And it's right. like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, I, can't, I, I, I eventually know that it did wear thin because I also – you know, on the opposite side of that, thank you very much to my parents. Do remember, like, the big ones. Like you said, the the starters, mm-hmm. where those things were in giant tin things, and there was yeah. definitely a hollow in it that you saw at the beginning yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. But at the same time, it was it was much more than $5 at that point. Right. And yeah, I yeah, think at eventually that, point, that worked in. But for everything that's going down, like, looking back, right, like, it's it was probably more – Hey, I got three sons. Let me get the three starter packs, right? And then they could trade amongst themselves because I can only imagine, right? Like I've seen a meme that that basically it's like, oh, our generation is becoming terrible at fixing things around the house. Oh, well, okay, thanks, Dad. Your generation was absolutely god awful blacksmiths, right? Like everybody involves in what they need to do. But I think our dads would have looked at us and been like. I traded baseball cards. What the fuck are they trading these little monsters for? <laughs> like, and on top of that, again, you never stacked up baseball cards. To, like, they were collectibles. Pokemon cards were supposed to be a training card game, and we never played it as such, at least, again, on my end. Never, no. Think about getting a baseball card that just had a bat on it that was, like, triple batting average, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck am I going to do with this? That's how even I treat Pokemon. Even worse, you open the pack, right? Whoosh, Oh, I got a Babe Ruth card, but I also got an orange Gatorade drink. <laughs> like, what the fuck am I doing with the orange Gatorade drink, the energy card? Oh, Barry Bonds can't be used unless he has five orange Gatorade. Like, oh, man. That's not the way that worked. So, yeah, thank God. And that got me off that boat pretty quickly. Yeah. No, I would say uh, for me, Pokemon, right, would be, for my fondest memories of it, is all through the Game Boy, right? Like, just the hours spent pouring into the strategy, oh, the evolution, right? Like, uh, I'll let you tell the story because you, you know, do it so well. Just the, the one day we both came over and the go. So I don't know what it was. The story goes that we, uh, I think it was me, because kind of like what I said about the cards was getting to the end, was getting your starter and then evolving it. So I think the story goes that I said, hey, do you want to see who can get that further, faster? So I remember very specifically sitting there with our Game Boys in our hands going one, two, three, on. So this way you couldn't even, like, get an edge by anything, you know? And maybe I – if I'm again, maybe I'm just trying to add this for flair in my mind, but I think one of them clicked too early and we went, no, 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 hold on. Clicked it (laughs) off and went one, two, three. It was a really lethal weapon moment. Like, on three, after three, what are we doing here? (laughs) Is it rock, paper, scissors, says shoe? Is it rock, paper, scissors, shoe? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, no, uh – Dude, and, and the, the best part for me, right, like those were the moments where we could sit next to each other, maybe only say a few words that anybody from the outside situation could either understand, put together. Again, not that it was gibberish, but it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to head over to this little patch. I'm going to fight this guy. I'm going to try and level him up here. Oh, go over there too. Like, and, you're getting, and you could literally like 
walk into the same spot in the same game as long as you get blue version, red version, yellow, like all whatever versions. We definitely all were playing the same one at the same time as well. And it was just like, hey, try this strategy. And I think you might have some. It wasn't, it was competition, but it was also like, hey, you figured that out. Like, help me. Yeah, no, help me out. Like, okay. And then once you get there, you help me out. It was never, oh, well, you can't get that. Shit sucks for you because, like, I feel like if it was truly a blood brother in the sense, like, you see each other every day. Because I remember, too, right, at a young age, if we hit that 72-hour mark, we were also like, oh, fuck, man, just get me home. Like, we needed to get to our separate corners because, right, brothers have it out. They roll on the floor. They're wrestling. They fucking – all that energy gets expelled. We were just always so giddy to see each other for all of these moments that, like, again, we would almost – I think of it like a kid on a sugar high, right? Like you're up, 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 up the whole time. And then by the end of the weekend, you're like, okay, like we got to figure out, we got to get ourselves to a point where we can recharge our batteries literally and in the Game Boy world so that we can then go, okay, like we need to help each other get to where we're going versus, you know, it's a competition to the max where now all of a sudden, because again, I remember in my mind when we talked Pokemon, Oh, it's evolving. It's changing. And like, you can see it on the screen. Like it's going from Squirtle to War Turtle, Squirtle to War Turtle. And it's going back and forth. And if you hit B, it wouldn't evolve. <laughs> and you'd have to wait until that next level, right? So like, if you I didn't know that. hit B or if it canceled it out. Oh, dude. And obviously not something that you and I did, but definitely something me and other buddies would have done. Like I'm talking later on in life. Like when we picked up Game Boys again, like, sophomore year of college and we're like okay you and i are going to turn it on at the same same type of shit we're going to turn it on at the same time let's see whoever gets far but the purpose at that point would be like when we meet up we're going to fuck each other's shit up who's ever further is further and if you for whatever reason were battling your boy his pokemon was leveling up in there and you could slip your little finger onto his game boy to hit me it didn't do anything from a strike like think about it all it was doing was changing the pokemon it did not change whether or not they could learn a move and attack a fight it was just like yeah have fun with your charmeleon for another another week like you thought you were gonna learn cut fuck you you're gonna wait yeah dude and that was some of the shit like later on with with pokemon that right like i'll gladly look back and i don't think in the moment thought of it as nerdy right but certainly fits that category as as we get older and look back on it right especially yeah as i think about as we discussed not even playing the fucking game with the cards yeah. that was nerdy to collect just to collect that is in my opinion a very nerd thing and i did oh, never yeah. any point in my life on this show or till i die mean that as a negative connotation like, oh Never, ever, ever. So if somebody's out there saying, oh, no, if you want it to come on and be nerdy, like, I've never understood people who are like, cosplaying's weird, and then they paint their face and go to, like, a football game, and it's like, <laughs> really? Interesting. You dress up like a Viking to go to a Vikings game, but I dress up like a Viking to look like Thor, and I'm fucking weird. Yeah. Okay. And literally, the Willy Wonka meme, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <Yeah. laughs> I'd say the last trifecta of the Pokemon, of the card, the game, would be the cartoon. Yeah. As many an hour watching that fucking cartoon. For sure, yeah. After school, I mean, almost closest thing as a child, we had to, like, program television, right? Like, that, I mean, you had one Saturday morning, right, like, comes to mind for a throwback to anybody listening from from our generation, right? But, I mean, it was Pokemon at, uh, like, 4 o'clock. It would come on, and boom. 
I want to be the very best, right? And you're mm-hmm. all running, dude. Oh yeah, you're you're just ready to roll, and you're like, okay, what's what are we getting into today? And it was, you know, it was never great TV. And I think even as a kid, I kind of knew that. But you're like, what can I learn about the Pokeverse, if you will, in order to help me? Like, oh, does ice beat? Blah, 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 right? Like, oh, when battling, should I use an electric Pokemon versus a water Pokemon? Like, at a low level, that's teaching me, like, yo, don't put electric near water, right? Like, again, to some extent, it's teaching you a little, but it's not, like, it's not an educational program, and it definitely wasn't an entertaining program in the sense, like, you're at the edge of your seat with everything that was happening. But, shit, I'd be damned if you didn't catch me watching it every day. (laughs) I think at the end of the day as well, I can also put it in as an animal rights show. Because I'll never forget, and it to this day, as an adult, I cannot watch the episode where he gets his Charmander. Mm. Do you remember? Motherfucker, it was somebody else's Charmander, and he, they didn't want it, and they said that it was not a good Charmander. Uh. So they said, you stay right here, and I'll be back for you, knowing that it was never going to come back. And Ash, and of course, they stumble up on the motherfucker, and they're like, what's going on? And the motherfucker's like, Charmander, Charm. <laughs> and they're like, I guess he's not moving. Fuck. And then it starts to rain. Uh, and he's a fire Pokemon and he's not moving. And Ash and they're like, fuck, no, we can't like we got to go back for that little fuck because it's not going to make it. And it keeps cutting to this Charmander huddled into a, it's a little ball with a tiny little leaf over its tiny little tail fire because if the tiny little tail fire goes out, he's going to die. So basically, it's a little heartbeat outside. You're watching it wane as he's waiting and he's saying, no, I can't leave with you, Ash. I don't care. My master's coming back for me. Uh, Right uh, in the goddamn dick. It almost then, you know, <laughs> it's fucking replayed out. Do you like Futurama? Mm-hmm. Dude, we got tatted to Futurama. That was what was on when we got yeah. it. Yeah, fucking A. Do you remember the episode where Fry, it turns out he had a dog in the past. And yep. that dog sat around and waited for him and died in front of that pizza shop as well. Like, it's the same kind of thing of, like, don't be a dick to animals. Like, if it's right. yours, you don't abandon it, you know. Right. I don't want to get too political or too up on a pedestal here. But I read stories about if you have a dog. And all of a sudden, you can't take that dog, or you have a girlfriend who doesn't like that dog all of a sudden, or blah, 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 and you abandon that dog, you're a dick. Yeah. I mean, again, my there's plenty of people that want to give it loving homes, right? Like, shit, I waited 20-something years to get, you know, this little terror that is Thor, right? So there's plenty of people. I mean, dude, the one of the best parts about coming to Brother Nick's house was the fact that there were dogs running around everywhere. I never had a family dog, right? So I didn't know what I was missing in some extent either, but to wake up every day and have the unconditional love that this puppy allows me i'll go to a wedding for an hour come back and he's right there excited as the same day i picked this mother effer up like he is crazy like that but i love it they're the best and by that extension i feel like i love and care so much empathetically because i i swear to christ i remember that episode and a butterfree episode where eventually ash is like you know that kind of old cliche of if you love something let it go mm-hmm. And he saw all these butterflies leaving, Butterfreeze, and he was like, shit, mine should go too. And I think it's called Bye Bye Butterfree. <laughs> and he's crying at the end, and I'm crying at the end. <laughs> and this was last week where I decided to go like it. Really, to say that it was any less formative than anything else is, oh. would be a lie. I mean, it really, some of those episodes, obviously, obviously, are so burned in. And they still mean something so right. much because, damn, like. Yeah, Pokemon was really big for the both of us growing up. Mm-hmm. I can harken back and put myself in that time frame of my life and be like, yep, that is a simpler time. 
Let's close on out this bros section and get into the superhero section. This week we watched Captain America Civil War. Captain America is the superhero in question, though there are many a people, many a superheroes in this movie. Uh, published by Marvel Comics, created by cartoonist Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, the character first appeared in Captain America number one, which had a cover date for March 1941. So old, in fact, that Marvel Comics didn't even produce it in a sense. It was from Timely Comics. This movie came out March 6, 2016, rated PG-13, 2 hours and 27 minutes long. It used to be the longest one until the last two Avengers movies came out. But, as stated very earlier, it doesn't feel that long at all. In the little IMDb snippet that I like to give, political involvement in the Avengers affairs causes a rift between Captain America and Iron Man. Directed by Anthony Russo and his brother Joe Russo, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, based on the comic book by Mark Millar and Stephen McNiven. I don't want to bury the lead. We're going to spoil the shit out of this right now. There is a bad guy. His name is Zemo. He's pissed off because his family died in Sokovia. He wants to destroy the Avengers, but comes to the conclusion that if you take them out from the outside, they can just grow back. If you destroy them from the inside out, that shit's almost irreparably damaged. Through the information that Black Widow leaked out on the internet in Captain America 2, he found out that Bucky Barnes is responsible for killing Iron Man's parents. Captain America knew that because of the same previous aforementioned movie, but that's the entire fucking plot about this, is Zemo trying to get the tape of Bucky killing the Starks and to show Iron Man this, and then to have Iron Man ask Cap, did you know about this, and have the two big guns of the Avengers break themselves up. So that's our little review. So now we can just openly bullshit and bounce around as much as we want. But that's that's the plot, kids. Spoiler alert has been given. It has been issued. That 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 is what it is. It is it's out there. Yeah, and I would say, uh, as somebody who you know legitimately loves Cap, right? Like have him the shield tattooed on my arm, right? First tat, all that good stuff. Um, rewatching it this time around, I can't help but almost sway back to Iron Man's side on some of these things because, again, I think I go into it with just such blinders off the bat, like with unapologetic love for Captain America, what he stands for, who he is, still watch the movie and go, well, damn, you know what? I still want to be like Cap anyway. And we can get into, you know, some of those reasons a little bit later, but no, absolutely. It's just, it's so well done by the Russo brothers. Right. And I just, I can't help but be sucked into the storyline time after time. And it's just that roller coaster ride right from the start. And it does start with finding out that the Winter Soldier has a book, of, and then that book there is like words, and if he says these words, then all of a sudden he's able to be controlled. And that's where we start. From there we go to find that the Avengers are on a mission in a country in which name I don't remember, though it was plastered really big and white on the screen. And they have a mission to take out Crossbones. Mm -hmm. Crossbones is Frank Grillo from Winter Soldier. Comes back, he's got some great punchy punchy things, but at the same time, he's dumb enough to think he could do some punchy punchy with Captain America. <laughs> it doesn't end well for him. He blows himself up, and in doing so, Wanda like puts him in a little egg and shoots him off into the sky, but doesn't get away far enough from the building. The building blows up, everybody blames the Avengers. Eventually, a general comes to the Avengers compound, and he's like, listen, you guys are working without any jurisdiction. There's no lines, no borders, no sovereignty. And every time you do shit, people die. Look at these examples. And as he does the examples, there's little numbers that show up, which actually count the death toll. 
that number gets to 300. And I don't want to diminish 300 lives. But it's really not that many considering everything that happened. Like, alien invasion, not their fault. How can they blame that? Like, to only have, like, if that had 300 casualties, I'd be like, that's still not that bad. Considering at the end of the Avengers, the powers that be were going to fucking nuke the entire city. Yeah, if if, if Iron Man, yeah, doesn't literally bring the nuke through the wormhole or, you know, whatever you want to call it there. Exactly. You're looking at basically them cutting bait and saying, okay, yep, sorry, New York, like, had a good run. And even if it's just Idaho's our two Idaho's our new East Coast, like what? (laughs) And even if it's just not New York, let's just say it was only Manhattan. That's 1.6 million people. That's all right. So what's 300 over 1.63 million, and that's their percentage of what, (laughs) how much they actually saved. So that's really not their fault. If it took all of New York, I'm reading now. Brooklyn has 2.59 million, and Queens has 2.27. So let's do some quick math. We're up over 7 million people if it took all of New York. So fuck you, government. You are <laughs> going to destroy all of them, and you're complaining about a few hundred people. In that, like, that's not, again, it wasn't even the 300 people in New York at that time. That's over all the things that he brings up. And those yeah. other things are the fact that the U.S. government allowed Hydra to infiltrate them. And because of that, there was a fight outside D.C. That's, again, that's your fault, guys. Ultron, Ultron was their fault. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give them that. You got to hold the L on Ultron, boys. Like, like, almost needed a good movie, so you got to take the L on that one. And then the last one is like the one that happened at the beginning of the movie where it's like, what do you want Wanda to do? If she had just let him blow up at the very base there, Captain America would have been injured, if not dead. And there was definitely a lot of people more on the ground level than you would think are up in the office. Like you saw an entire group of people there. I don't know what they want. I found that a little bit silly. Yeah, I mean, and even uh, another, you know, scene that sticks out in my mind around that entire piece of it as it's unfolding is, you know, of course, Cap sitting in his room doing the same exact thing that Wanda's doing, right? Watching the news broadcast, figuring out exactly what's going on. And, of course, they're blaming Wanda because she's the one with the powers at that point that lift him up into the sky. But, again, I think the thing that I just suck it resonates with me with Cap, right? is the leadership that he obviously always has on display. When given a choice, he's always seems to be either making the right one or, of course, the one that follows, um, you know, his belief system, his true north, if you will, within internally. He always has um, conviction with what decisions he's making. So he walks into Wanda's room. She's really down about it. And, you know, I'm a monster. And Cap's like, bro, he said Bucky, and my head went to shit. Right? Like, Cap doesn't even care. Like, he's so past Wanda's decision because it wouldn't have even been a decision that she had to make if he had just been like, yo, let me cut this. I saw the cave, like, because he was a couple steps ahead of him. And then in that moment, right, it allows you to see Cap's human. That's that's also why I really do. I truly like Cap is like, he's consistently self-evaluating and how to get better in some of these situations, but he has that human error, right? He has that flaw. He's not, and it's not, kryptonite right like superman has one thing that can take him down and it happens to be kryptonite but yeah as long as you stay away from kryptonite you're good you can't stay away from your emotions and your thoughts right like his love for peg his love for bucky his love for the people that are nearest and dearest to him in his life are the only things that can ever influence cap's decision making in my opinion and even in those moments he's still doing what he believes is right 
Well fucking said. And I don't know if you know how timely, huh? See, look, I made a joke because <laughs> how timely you are in your statements about are you watching Falcon Winter Soldier? I haven't yet. I'm a binge guy, right? So I'll probably wait till it's all out. And I'm okay. You spoil it, right? Because it doesn't, like, that term doesn't really do what I would think it's supposed to, right? Like, okay, I can still watch something. Again, I've watched Winter Soldier 10 times and I pick up something new every single time. So, I mean, talk freely, of course. I'm not going to go too deep into it because, A, I don't really like it too much. We're five <laughs> episodes in as this comes out. The fifth episode had really just – it was the best episode out of them all. And out of the 55 minutes, there was a good 30 minutes in there, like a good 30 minutes, I mean. But what it really comes down to is exactly what you're saying of the fact that he's a good man. Yeah, He's not always a perfect soldier, but he's a good man. And it's that blinder of sometimes – Bucky and like, oh shit, yeah, I did have a friend who I let down. Oh, oh shit, what's happening? Like, oh fuck, I kind of dropped the ball there for a second. Like, yep. that's not unhuman. There, you, I can't tell you how many times I'm in the middle of doing something and something just passes my head. You know, I keep a picture of somebody who I knew who died, and I'll just look at him and be like, oh yeah, fuck Joe, <laughs> I miss you. What was I doing? Yep. You know, like that's well, normal. Then, yeah, you could be consumed 10, 15, 20 minutes, right? Cap had a slip of 40 seconds maybe, like, right? Like that's going to rock everybody else so much differently. Um, but again, the other thing I love about Cap and I can relate to is he always surrounds himself with good people too. So like in that moment where he does have that 40-second slip, Wanda knows something has to go down, right? Like she's over his right shoulder. She's not letting him out, out to dry, right? Like I think of – um Literally, obviously, Bucky, like, once he snaps out of it, and he's he's got his back, but Anthony Mackie's character, uh, Falcon, right? Like, literally only met him jogging, right? And was just so uh, attracted is probably the word, right? Like, it's just drawn to Cap as a personality that's like, yo, I got you, right? Like, anything we need to do, we're ride or die, boys. Like, now, like, and I just, I fuck with that. And he does. He plays it so well. A little bit more backstory. So we are talking about... First and foremost, I think the reason this works so well is because of Chris Evans. Chris Evans, mm -hmm. who we are talking about. And Chris Evans first got the role in 2011 for Captain America, the first Avenger. 2012, he showed up in the Avengers. 2013, he's got a little cameo. And this one I'd like to consider, and I'll get to why, what I mean in a second. So like Thor of the Dark World, Loki turns into Captain America. And I think that's funny. It's original content only for that movie. Captain America the Wind Soldier, obviously, is a big part of that. Big part of Avengers Age of Ultron that came out in 2015. Now, in Ant-Man, he is credited because he's in a post credit scene. What I am taking away from this, which I did not take away from Thor The Dark World, is the fact that this post credit scene is really just a scene for Civil War. It's a scene Bucky gets his arm, it's in a clamp, it's right after the helicopter scene. And he wakes up, he's been knocked out, so the programming is almost kind of wiped away. And that scene is at the very end of Ant-Man. I I don't count that. But, obviously, it, for Captain America Civil War, that's very much counted. For Spider-Man Homecoming, he plays, he's in, like, a teacher video for the gym class. Like, in gym yeah. class where they're like, this is how you learn sex ed, or this is how you learn not to be a criminal, or blah, blah, blah. He's it's in that. basically, like, Patches O'Houlihan's video from Dodgeball. That's why I love it, man. It's Fucking so a. great. It's so great. So I do give him that one. Now, the last one I take away is in between Avengers, we saw a Captain Marvel post credit scene where it's just a setup for that. I don't fuck with that. I don't think that. <laughs> if you take a scene from a movie you're going to release and put it at the post credit, right. it's not really a post credit scene to me. But that's just me. If anybody wants to argue, fucking leave a comment. But 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost like they're testing the market for free. Like, oh, did you stay for the post-credits scene? What did you think about it? Well, it's the first scene of our next movie. You just don't know about it yet type of shit. Yeah, it's more of a teaser trailer, if you ask mm-hmm. me. Absolutely. But anyway, the the reason I bring all this up is because he's been doing it for a fucking while. Mm. And he sells this role. So when you watch it, even though some parts can get, you know, out there because it's about a superhero and super soldiers and we get a lot of different people in there. Chris Evan grounds it to me every time because, as you were saying, he is the perfect Captain America. Watching this guy struggle with the fact of knowing I have to do the right thing, but what I should do is sign these accords. Mm -hmm. That's what the world wants. That's what everybody wants. That's even what my buddy Iron Man wants is for us to get a leash put on us because maybe our own hands aren't always the safest. But almost as he's done thinking that, you could see him go, no, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. If I can't choose what I want to do, I don't, I'm just going to be somebody's guard dog. I'm just going to be somebody's property. And no, I can't not decide what I think is right. And I'm going to follow through with that 10 out of 10 times, whether or not you guys, the government, are going to allow me to or not. Even the scene where he goes and he basically extracts Bucky because he knows that, you know, they're coming for him. Uh, he's, he's, they're basically fighting their way out of a phone booth, if you will, in the stairwells. And uh, there's even one great moment, right, where you can see Cap is doing everything within his power and almost feeling terrible while he's doing it, right? Like punching and kicking and, uh, you know, all of it, right? But at the same time, never really inflicting too much pain. I mean, even to the point where Bucky's slamming dudes' heads into the sides of the walls and, okay, you're supposed to believe they're not dead. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll get past that, right? But Cap is just like, punch, kick, tie your shit together, and now you're stuck. Ha ha. Or like, hey, now you're slitting over the, the banister, and this guy has to hold you up, but neither of you are going to die. Ha ha. Like, and then there comes a point where Bucky's just like, still going through the motions. You know he's there, but Bucky's also like, well, I don't give a shit. Like, because he doesn't have that as much as he does have a good compass in him as Bucky, he doesn't have caps. True, Like, every decision Cap makes, he tries to make the right one, and he looks at him, he's like, Come on, bro. Like, what are you doing to me here? Like, you know I'm working as hard as I can to get you the F out of here. But at the same time, like, I have a moral code I need to uphold in order to do so. For Bucky, it's like mortally wounded is still alive. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. What more do you want from me? They're coming to hunt me and put me in a cage. He, he's yeah. still breathing. So fuck you. That's good enough for me. Just a like, yeah, maybe he should walk again, too, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nothing, nothing but a simple flesh wound, right? Like as long as you're breathing, you're good to go, homie. And that scene comes from Zemo cleverly dressing up as Bucky and blowing up the UN, which kills the newly introduced T'Chaka, and now the newly introduced T'Challa. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman is pretty much saying, "I'm going to become the Black fucking Panther now." So as these people go to find Bucky, so does the Black Panther because he's out for revenge. And we get this awesome trio of Bucky, Cap, and Panther just running. Lots of running, really fast running through tunnels and shit. Sam's in there flying a little bit. It's one of the greatest scenes. And War Machine ends up arresting them all. And now Zemo gets his minutes. That's the whole thing was for Zemo to get him in jail right there. Yeah, so he could get his face time. I mean, uh, and not to blow past it. I know I kind of ran right up to it, but I mean, everything they did, in my opinion, to set up the Black Panther uh, movie in this particular one, um, just really, really well done, right? Like, I happen to find myself just, after rewatching it, so drawn into his whole message and his journey, Chadwick Boseman, that is, in, you know, this particular 
um, arena, right? Like he's learning how to be a superhero. Wakanda has been shielded off from the world. He knows what it means to be the Black Panther in Wakanda and protect his, you know, his family, right? Like everybody from the outsiders, but they're, they're hiding almost out there, right? Like they're doing everything. They, they don't have to really flex their muscles. And now you get to the UN and I, I wrote it down. I loved it so much, right? The line between father and son when they're walking up to the UN, because you can see Chadwick's just jazzed up as the Black Panther's character, right? He's not even looking for revenge yet. He's looking to, you know, put Wakanda on the map. We're coming out. We're going to be, you know, this force. And you see almost the wise old man and the father and T'Challa's full of piss and vinegar walking up. He's like, I don't know why we need a hundred people in the room. Nothing ever got, nothing ever great got accomplished with a hundred people in the room that two men talking behind closed doors couldn't accomplish. And the dad, just in his great, great wisdom, hits him with the quick line. Yeah, unless you're trying to move a piano. And I love that because it centers the same way Cap grounds the entire Marvel franchise, in my opinion. I really do think the Black Panther grounds this particular movie for me because he is able to recognize all of the different story arc within it from the outside because he hasn't been brought in as a quote-unquote Avenger just yet, right? Like he's a superhero, but he's also got to live by his moral compass, and I like to see how that kind of – overlays itself into cap at some point in time as well right in terms of the vengeance and what he's seeking and all that stuff yeah to kind of go a little bit deeper dive he's talking to natasha so chadwick boseman is there talking to natasha knowing she's an avenger and like you're saying he's on one side of the coin of fuck the avengers fuck what you did fuck all these people i can get more done and like you said his father kind of comes up and he's like yeah unless you're trying to move piano and calms his ass down yep. and then gets blown up. So Chadwick really starts this on a fuck everybody kind of note. And then his father dies and really just digs into that. And like you were saying in terms of character arc, by the very end, I didn't, we already went through the story, so I can't say spoilers. He's got Zemo. So Zemo has put into this effect, his plan, Captain America and Iron Man are duking it out, trying to save so Bucky can escape. And he just dips. He just fucking leaves. We don't really see what happens to him unless he's until he's out there sitting, kind of feeling accomplished. And Chadwick Boseman's like, dude, I almost killed the wrong guy because of you. Yep. You know, like, this is fucked up. And Baron Zemo's like, yeah, well, you know, it's, it is what it is. Those guys in there suck. And he goes, they're letting revenge consume them. And he's got this great moment of facial expression that only a terrific actor can do, in which he closes his eyes and he lifts up his eyebrows while saying, I will not let it consume me anymore. Almost as if you see the weight yep. lift off of him and his face of just like, no, I kind of get it now. I, I, I'm not as angry. I'm not as fuck you to everybody as I was. And then, you know, we get him further and further and that character goes on a lot of great different places, but agreeing in the fact that he has a great part in this movie and he wasn't even supposed to be in a lot of it. Sony, if you do or do not know, own the movie rights to Spider-Man. Yep. So we weren't sure if he was going to come and play in this movie. Yeah, it was so such a willy, won't they? So T'Challa originally had a much smaller role in the earlier drafts and didn't even appear in costumes as the writers intended to put more focus on Spider-Man and save Black Panther's origin for his own movie. However, when it looked like they weren't going to play ball, they kind of had to flip-flop and beefed up his role. So by the end, they did get to use Spider-Man, but T'Challa had already been such an integral part of the plot that they decided to pump the brakes on Spider-Man and leave more for him for his movie, and they gave us all that T'Challa goodness. Yeah, and it really, 
a happy accident, right? Like looking back at it, because I do think that it just sets up the, the movies that come behind them so much better, in my opinion. It just, it really, it gives you that nice taste of, you know, Wakanda. It also gives you, I mean, because again, I, I, you fall in love with Spider-Man all over again in this particular movie, in my opinion, right? Like Tom Holland absolutely crushes Spider-Man. Like he, he will forever be the guy I associate back with Spider-Man. We had been through multiple iterations, right? Our generation of growing up and trying to get it right. Like we'll joke um, certainly throughout the 90s, right? Everybody and their sister, not sister, I guess brother, right? Jumped into the Batman costume, right? Like you had Michael Keaton, you had um help me out with a, a bunch more of them but i mean you know Kilmer, george Clooney, right like just Mr. a bunch of faces adam west has been in that cowl <laughs> yeah and i mean again i'll always associate batman with christian bale Sa- same kind of concept for me with tom holland right like we'll see what robert pattinson does i mean ben affleck didn't really move the needle for me too too much but that's its own kind of thing if you will um from a justice league standpoint but from a movie franchise i mean he finally took it over, Tom Holland, that is, for, for Spider-Man. He owned it. I think he absolutely captured um, the playful youth and innocence of that character while also giving it kind of that – he's a superhero, right? Like you can relate back to him as a web slinger who just got bit by a spider. Like the story doesn't – as much as the story is crazy, you can actually relate to the story because of how well he does it. Agreed. And just to keep our story kind of going – Bucky has been arrested for the U.N. thing that Zemo did, so Zemo can talk to him. Zemo lets him out to get the mission report 1991. Everybody's trying to escape. Captain America curls a helicopter, which is just amazing, and all of him, all his bicep, by the way, no digital nothing. Um, I read that they have to do all that stuff early on, like everything where he looks like he's just going to burst out of a suit are always filmed first because once he actually puts his Captain America suit on, he sweats out a lot of his bulk. Crazy. Right? That's, that's the human body, man. So now the helicopter crashes, and we get the Ant-Man scene of, like, Bucky waking up, and what are we going to do? And, no, there's more super soldiers. And, fuck, Zemo's going to go after the super soldiers. We have to get to an airport so that airport can take us to the more super soldiers and we can stop Zemo. On the flip end, so that's Captain America. On the flip end, Iron Man is getting pressured by the same general of, like, you got to bring this motherfucker in. I hear he's going to the airport. So that brings the actual bang, bang, punch, punch of the movie an hour and a half into it. Like, this is where we're going to get into the quote unquote civil war. And Iron Man says, I got to recruit. Where is he? And the big lights or the big white letters come up again. Brooklyn with a great song. And we do meet Peter Parker. And as you just stated perfectly, it is amazing to me because I have been waiting for it. Not since the animated series have I felt so connected with the character. Of him coming in, just like, there's this crazy car parked outside. And you're just like, what's going on? And Marissa Tomei is sitting there. She's the new Aunt May. And Tony Stark's sitting there. Oh, hold on. Please, don't (laughs) go past this because the Aunt May we grew up with versus this one, just stop. She's Benjamin Button and better than he is. We are not worthy, right? We are not worthy. Just absolute smoke. Continue. <laughs> and Tony Stark brings that up, too. I didn't know ants could look like this. And she goes, well, we come in all shapes and sizes. Love but it. But little not said words between Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland as, you know, he's trying to sit there not blowing his cover. And he's like, dude, did you get all my emails about that special school thing? And he's <laughs> winking and he's just looking at him like, don't you fucking blow there. Don't you just go along with this. That is some of my favorite parts in the movie. A lot of people don't like that we didn't – that. Tony kind of became his semi-father in the Marvel Cinematic Universe arc. 
And that's not always the same thing in the comics. And people don't like that. I'm like, fuck you. Go read oh, the comics then. Yeah, exactly. Because they, 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 they killed it. Right. <laughs> so we get into the scene of him kind of like, hey, you're Spider-Man. And one of my other favorite lines comes from Tom Holland being scared. If you remember Tom Holland sitting on the bed and Robert Downey Jr. comes over to him and he goes, you're going to move your leg because I'm going to sit here now. <laughs> Tom Holland forgot his blocking. And Robert Downey, that's him reminding him of his blocking. And when the Russo saw that, they're like, that's pretty fucking funny, actually. Now let's leave that in. <laughs> I love, you know, you know, I was having such a great day today. Algebra test. Nailed it. Like you said, bringing him into a person of like, I went to school with that kid. Yep. You know, the greatest part about Spider-Man always, and even to give him credit in Civil War, one of the greatest moments of that comic book is they really harp on secret identities. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there are no secret identities, point blank. Mm -hmm. In Marvel Comics, there's a lot of them. That's what superheroes do. The greatest part of that is almost the middle is the apex of Peter Parker unmasking himself. And saying, my name is Peter Parker, and I've been Spider-Man since I was 15 years old. And to see that 15-year-old for once on the screen is nice, right. you know? Maybe it doesn't match up in timeline as well as the comic. Like, I'm not trying to compare the two, but just to actually think of this kid as a kid. Because Toby didn't do that. Right. You don't look like a teenager, especially you don't look like a teenager when your classmate is Joe Magnaniello, who's like 6'3", 200 pounds in that movie, and you're supposed to like, what, were you left back 10 years? You're fucking 30, bro. Go shave and shit. Where meanwhile, Tom Holland looks like the kid I sat next to. His friend Ned looks like the kid who I sat next to who sat next to me. And Zendaya is like, yeah, I fucking knew bitches that look like that too. You know, nobody looks like they're fucking Mary Jane Watson. Kristen Dunst is like 40 in that movie. So I couldn't agree with how great he plays. And then how great he plays into the airport fight is amazing. Uh, awesome, man. I mean, they're just the airport fight is just rewatch it, right? Like even if not you personally, right? Everybody listening, go back in. And if you're not going to rewatch the entire movie, just go back and watch that 15 minutes, right? Where they're all fighting there. And there's just so much great content from one liners and one upsmanships. And really, in my opinion, right, they did a great job capturing the fact that sure, if they were all together, these guys are an unstoppable force. Seriously, like all the collection of individuals that are fighting each other in this movie, you're like, well, damn, of course, if they were all together, they might be scary to a government, right? Because they got some crazy cool powers. But then at the same time, and it stuck out in my mind so much more this time around, is Hawkeye and Iron Man's exchange when they're over by the carport. And it is just, hey, not really enjoying retirement, huh, Hawkeye? Ah, played 18 holes, shot in 18, not much for me to really do. Pew, shoots the arrow at him. Ah, I guess there's a first time for everything, right? Like Iron Man is very rarely not – if not the smartest person in the room, right? Cause Bruce Banner might give him a run for his money and some of that. He's definitely always the quickest wit. And that is something that as much of a cat fan as I am, the wit, I mean, that comes, that really, that hits home for me because that's how I operate on a daily basis. And Hawkeye goes, Nope, no, I didn't miss. Right. Cause Hawkeye doesn't fuck major me. Look. He's Hawkeye. He hits you with a major look and then boom, the cars come down. And then following that scene, Iron Man's talking to, I believe it's, um, Black Widow at this point, and they're like, oh, well, you know, basically, like, what are we going to do? Like, done taking it easy on him, right? Iron Man gets a bunch of cars dropped on him, and he's like, all right, no more playing nice, right? Like, we're going to bring these boys in, essentially, and just to see how they then take it up another level because they were holding punches. And even the early fight between Black Widow and Hawkeye, right? She, 
Wanda really comes over and goes, you were holding punches, basically. Like, li- literally calls Hawkeye out. But even prior to that, hey, you get, you know, we still going to be friends after this? Yeah, it depends how hard you hit me. <laughs> like, that is awesome for me. I love that. That was exactly what I was going to break up, too. And after that, she catches him. Like, you're older punches. And he kind of looks at her like, yeah, it was. Oh, shit. Yeah, of course. Like, these are still my friends. <laughs> exactly. Like, we, yeah, we Budapest. Budapest. We have <laughs> Budapest together. We can't just go killing each other now. Right. Like, you have no idea how much more decision-making we have. Wait until movies three from now. <laughs> the other big character to show up here had his own movie that we talked about. I don't personally dig on it too much i don't mean to shit on everything but it's just not my favorite of the bunch i haven't even seen the sequel ant-man shows up and the reason that i don't fuck with him too much is unlike how much i sucked chris evans dick for being (laughs) steve rogers that's america's dick that's america's dick and i'll suck it all day um Paul Rudd, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for him, you know, he gets an easier job if he shows up and I just, I can't not see Paul Rudd. Mm -hmm. I can't get into that character at all. And maybe it's a good reason that they didn't do comic accurate because then he would have been a giant dick. But at the same time, like, I just don't care about you, Paul Rudd. I'm sorry. I only want to see you in snippets. This being one of the prime snippets of like, this is great where he's like, all right, I've only done this thing one time. (laughs) <laughs> and I might tear myself in half, and then he becomes giant man. So that was really something. Unfortunately, Toilers got to that before the movie even came out. Mm. Toy spoilers. Yep. Funko Pop announced that they were going to give us a giant man before it even came out. So we all knew it was coming. It didn't make it any less spectacular to see it because he's fucking shit up. And my favorite shot of that then is Spider Man crawling around his head and then looking in his one little thing and he's just like what do you get off i love that i don't know if it's just like an anthropod thing between two insects or if i'm just like yeah that's really great and i can't stop like i'm trying to move away from sucking spider-man's dick too hard but him fighting the falcon and winter soldier awesome it is such a great scene where well you got a metal arm and my favorite 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 part is when the fucking falcons tackling him he's like stop in the name of the law or you have the right to an attorney or whatever he says he's trying he's to be trying to official and arrest this guy while they're flying around losing control and he oh. really just nails it and i love homecoming i hate far from home i hope the next one is going to be is going to be better i mean i again tom i'll blindly go support him in, in any of his endeavors for spider-man moving forward but i even love the call to this you know new series that again i'm sure was uh twinkle in the writer's eyes at some point when they you know built up the relationship between the winter soldier and falcon but those two laying on the ground just webbed up really like again spider-man did, did okay guys i gotta go help i gotta go help iron man again like i have really one one important job so i'm done having fun with you two right like here you guys are webbed down and these two just look at each other like I hate you. <laughs> it's just, it's such a genuine, like, if you have a ride or die boy and you were webbed up next to them, like, that would be the exact line you and I would say next to each other. Like, how awesome is this? But at the same time, like, I hate you. <laughs> like, you couldn't have done that earlier. Right. Is what he says, because Sam takes his little red wing and yes. ends up poking him to Spider-Man and fucking him out the window. And fucking like, you couldn't have done that earlier. And he goes, I hate you. And like you said, in terms of the twinkle in their eye, I think you get many of those moments in this yep. movie. One being Captain America, Sam, and Bucky are all in a tiny little bug, a VW bug. And Bucky's in the back seat. And he says to Sam, can you move your seat up? No. <laughs> just another kind of brotherly thing. I'm just like, right. no. And then another great moment of them is he finally, Captain America, sorry for jumping so much, Captain America kisses Agent 13 after she gives their shit back to him. 
and they turn to Sam and Bucky, and they're both sitting there in the car just, Nice. <laughs> nice. My boy got a kiss. He was fucking, he was waiting on that shit. <laughs> no, and it really, it's so great because, right, like, they even remind you subtly, right? Like, they're 100 years old, Bucky and him. Anthony Mackey's character, for all purposes, right, he's a new age soldier, but he's still got so much of that, like, old soldier mentality in him that obviously allows him to fuck with Cap and Cap to fuck with him. But, like, it allows them to just, Anthony Mackie is the little brother in the relationship just by default because he is like 60 years younger than these two. But it's just, oh man, they do, they really do such a great job. I got a weird conundrum and we're going to jump really far away from Civil War just really quickly. You've seen all the way ahead. At the end of Endgame, Captain America has to go and give all the Infinity Stones back. Mm hmm. In doing so, he doesn't come back to the future or to the present. He goes all the way back to the past, and he says, I'm going to live my life with Peggy. Yep. Beautiful. Peggy eventually is going to have that niece in which he made out with once. Mm. Isn't that weird to think? Like, I never thought about that. Like, eventually, somebody's like, Peggy's going to be like, oh, we got to go to the hospital. Why? My sister what, sister or brother, it doesn't yeah. matter. My sibling just had a girl, and they're going to name it Agent 13, whatever her real name yeah. is. And he's just sitting there like, Fuck, I made out with her once. That's weird. I'm going to have to change her diaper. Anyway, just a weird little side thing of like, yeah, no, I never thought of that. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What's the pull of that thread? To finish out the movie, so the Germany scene, the German airport scene goes down, and it is epic. I'm sure that we could do an entire <laughs> podcast just breaking down scene for scene. But we have to get to the very end. We have to go up to the where Zemo's headed for the other Winter Soldiers. Yep. And Cap and Bucky follow him. Tony then goes and visits these people that he just beat the shit out of in a super high prison called The Raft, where he eventually, long story short, gets the information from Anthony Mackie where they're headed. So all three of these guys show up at once, which, again, I think we kind of pulled at the thread of the screenplay being a little thin sometimes of, well, it's a good thing they all showed up together. If not, Zemo's plan wouldn't have worked. Right. But they all show up. All the super soldiers are dead. And like we said at the very beginning, so no spoilers, we find out that there is a tape that shows Bucky acting unlike himself, acting as the Winter Soldier, killing the Starks. And that's what sets this real civil war of them. Then going into one of the greatest ass-kicking scenes again, another back-to-back just ass-kicking scene extravaganza, but it's got the word war in the title, so mm, you kind of right. expect that. Oh, yeah, just, uh, you know, trading punches and being held down and the, the shield even being, you know, used between the two of them as they're fighting each other. It's just, oh, man, it's so... Again, as just a fan of the comics right like i'm a captain america so another scene for me right is anybody listening hopefully has seen all the way through but where he gets the wheeled mjolnir and like thor looks at cap and he's like oh fuck yeah i knew it right like and even hearkening back to other scenes right where they're all like joking around sitting at the table like drinking for a night right and like let's see who can lift up the hammer blah 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 and cap goes and it like wiggles a little bit and you're like oh shit like so for me right Cap eventually, later on, all the way at the end of those movies, has made enough of, again, those right decisions throughout the course of time that then allows him to become worthy, right? Like, he continues to make the right choice in that first moment. And I don't know which exact movie that one is uh, a scene for, but I know it's before the last one, right? Because it then came. But for me, right, that is a great, great just, like, reminder to the casual or intense viewer that, everybody's on a journey throughout all of the movies, right? Like everybody is continuously going through 
a character change, and that's almost refreshing in my mind. That scene, it came from Age of Ultron. Okay, so yeah. So, and from what I've heard, what the Russos and McFeely and what they've all described is that he still feels bad about Bucky. You know, he doesn't consider himself worthy because he's still, in his mind, after the events of Winter Soldier, let Bucky down. But at the end of this movie, once he realizes, you know, what was going on, that all the shit was cleared up with the Stark because he felt unworthy because he was lying to his friend. Wow, okay. After all this got cleared up at the end of this movie, that is why he was fully able to wield it in Infinity War. Awesome. Isn't it? And like you said, yeah, it's something it. that you don't it. think of until you look at it and then you're like, wow, this is a lot more than punchy punchy sometimes. Oh, yeah, man. Again, I I wax poetically for as long as, uh, again, anybody will sit there and entertain me for. But these movies, right, there's life lessons on life lessons in there. I'm a true believer, right, between, you know, uh, the 15-year-old kid who watched the first one and now the 30-year-old man who's rewatching the majority of them, right? The life lessons just hit you so much differently, even to the point where they're fighting Cap and Iron Man. And literally Cap puts the thing that his dad created, like Iron Man's dad, that is, the shield, through Tony's heart. Right. And in my eyes, that's so symbolic of Cap literally ripping Iron Man's heart out with the news of his parents and how that just all went down for me. Right. And Cap takes it out. He's about to walk away. And Tony looks at him and just this is just a nod to Robert Downey Jr. and his acting, too. Right. He captures Iron Man, who is like that child in a grown up's body, but is also the smartest guy in the room. Most like, no, you can't have that shield. My daddy made that. Right. And like in that moment, you don't look at him as a whiny little bitch. You look at him like, yo, my dad really made that. Right. So you could get on board with that. But also then Cap's decision to just like he just beat your ass with the shield. He could have walked out of the room with it. That's not Cap. Here you go. I'm going to drop the shield because it's not about me kicking your ass, showing that I'm, quote, unquote, the better superhero or stronger than you or this, that, the other thing. It's all about him trying to do right by his friend Bucky. And that's the thing that I feel like is just awesome for me to relate back to a superhero, right? Like Cap doesn't do anything super except be a super person. Like, yes, he can jump higher. He can withstand. But the best thing about Cap, right, is that resilience in him that you know the line's coming. You're looking at him right in the eyes. I could do this all day. I could do this all day. And that is just the American spirit in my eyes, right? Like, never give up. If you got a pulse, you got a chance type of shit. And that's why I fuck with Cap really, really hard. And I love that, too. Like, he's my friend. I was your friend. It's so perfect at the end. And I didn't think about it until you just said it. It is perfect of my father made that shield and you betrayed him. You kept this. You knew that his murderer was just walking around and you did nothing about it. And yet you carried his shield around. How dare you? And he doesn't sound like a whiny little bitch of like, oh. you got to put that down. That's my daddy's. You know, right. he really sounds hurt. Like, dude, you, my dad, like, we find out in this movie. Oh, you knew my dad. He only mentioned it every 10 fucking seconds. And right. there was almost a resentment growing up towards Captain America, how much Howard Stark loved him. And now he finds out that not only was that love, not recorded in a sense of like, no, I'm going to protect my friend over your memory. Right. Drop yeah. that fucking shield. Like, it, it, it's really good. Dude, even the how they, again, they almost, obviously you know that it's going to come down to it, but the, how you see that whole life event and what it really did to Tony in that he would create augmented reality, $6 million worth to just say, yeah, but I still felt like shit after. Like, I, I forget, that's obviously paraphrased, but he's in front of MIT doing his whole thing where he's going to grant everybody all of their, you know, projects for the year. And he's like, I could spend all of this money on all of this and it still doesn't make a fucking difference for me, right? Because, like, I know in my heart, like, 
I never said goodbye to my father. Right, and I never said goodbye. I never uh, properly told him how I feel, all of these types of things. And then to find out that, like, your healing process was not – it was stymied because of Cap, who's, again, supposed to be your boy. Like, Tony knows that Cap was supposed to be his dad's boy based on the way his dad talked about it. So, like, Cap – he could – like, it is such a betrayal as you – like, for me, rewatching it, always being in the Cap camp, I'm like – Cat, you really, really fucked up there. And I, I will harp on this because it's one of the things that I love about him. Right? I got him fucking tattooed on my my shoulder. Right? I don't got a bunch of tattoos. Not like we we agree, right? When we get stuff tattooed, it usually means something, right? Like we got a purpose. And everything that that shield, if you will, stands for in my eyes is him writing that note to Tony when they're back at the compound after. And it's like, listen, I fucked up. I know I fucked up. I'm not asking you to even forgive me for fucking up. All I'm letting you know is the reason I did it. This is how it is. And again, I'm going to throw this. We talk about burning bridges, but I'm going to throw that olive branch across. Like, if shit ever goes down, Tony, I got you. The Avengers are yours, right? Like, he didn't try and claim all the Avengers, keep all them to himself. He really, he was wrong, but he owns up to being wrong in capsize. And that's more than a lot of us will ever do when we're ever put in the same situation of, you know, we're wrong. We know we're wrong. We dig our heels in, right? Like, we try and almost convince the other person that what we did, although might not be right, it's not wrong. Right, it's just in the middle. Cap admits, I fucked up. I should have told you. I was trying to protect my. Like I did what was easier for me than what was best for us. And to hear somebody own that, like a superhero or not, like just hearing those words, and it's in a comic book movie. Like what? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about when I say that these movies like will live on forever based on how they did them, because there are life lessons on life lessons on life lessons throughout all of them. Agreed. I'll, I'll agree to most of them. Like I said, fuck Ant-Man. I'm going down <laughs> with that one. Fuck the second Guardians of the Galaxy. But if Marcus and McFeely have touched it, they are the ones who've written Cap's story through and really agree with Captain America, really fuck with Captain America as well. So I think that that's why his story arcs, I can agree with you 100% of watching him being the soldier at a time, being the man at a time, and just always trying to figure out what's best. And in one instance, he didn't do that. He yep. did what was easier and then had right. to own his shit and said, I'm sorry. So he burned that bridge, but at the same time sent an arrow with a threat over saying, if you ever need me, here's a phone. And we find out that that ends up working out well for them. And they do come back together. There's still more strife, but blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, like we find out, it works out. And right. And that's a relationship boys, worth saving. And he gives them back his shield and. Don't lose this one again. It ends up with the, but we're jumping way ahead. We should come back and do both the uh, next Avengers if you wanted. That'd be a lot of fucking fun. Yeah, of course, man. I mean, these are movies, uh, when you're talking Bud Bros and superheroes, we're hitting on all three of these, um, you know, with with relative ease, just based on our love of the green, our love of each other, and then our love of the comics, man. So, of course. Thank you, sir. You have been a terrific guest. Just too much fun to hang out with. You know, you're my brother. We can do this. We can do this all day. With that, though, that has been this episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. If I haven't said it yet, you can head on over to all your social media platforms. You know how those things work with the likes and the follows. If you're on one of those podcatchers and you haven't already subscribed or on YouTube and haven't already subscribed, all those things are super fun to do. It would help us out. Throw a like on there as well if you wanted if not the only thing i can really super ask for would be to tell a friend because remember if you have a friend who likes buds bros or superheroes i've got a fucking show for you my name has been nick james i've been joined by brother johnny we will be back again guys thanks so much for checking us out buds bros and superheroes are out of here